0: Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Uh, we're working our way through these kind of core doctrines of Christianity. It's the reason we're reading the creed together, reason we're uh, doing that. And I want to say this again. I said it a couple weeks ago, said it last week, I know, say it again. This is intended to prompt questions in you. And so when you have questions, they don't need to go unasked whether or not we can answer them. That's a whole different question, but like they don't need to go unasked. Um, and and so please feel free to, um, ask, Uh, ask in your Sunday school class, ask in your small group, um, send an email, call, whatever. We'd be happy uh, to dialogue with you about that. Acts chapter two is where we are. Um, we've done God, the Trinity, God is Trinity. We've done God, the father, God, the son. And as many of you guessed this week, we are doing God, the Holy spirit. Um, Uh, There, uh, in in the teaching on the Spirit in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, multiple times Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is our, um, one of the older translations is our comforter or our helper. The the word is paraclete, one who is called alongside to walk with. I I found that particularly beautiful this week. Uh, In in the midst of some of the heart-wrenching things that hit the news cycle, videos and Accusations and other things. I can't even watch some of these things. Like, it's just good to know that there is someone who's here to help, a a comforter, someone who's here to walk alongside. So today we get to talk about um, God, the Holy Spirit. And um, in light of that, I want to—we've done this every time—just try to state this doctrine as short, shortly, and succinctly as possible. Hopefully, with some stickiness, so it lodges in your brain. The promised Holy Spirit indwells, transforms, and empowers us. That's where we are today. The promised Holy Spirit indwells, transforms, and empowers us. I'm going to let you know that there's a lot of scripture that's going to kind of fly up on the screen today. Um, At no point, uh, did we, did I, well, let me just say it this way. I just didn't think it was a good idea to put it all in the Bible app. Cause you'd be scrolling and like, trying to find all that. So, uh, there's a live scripture that's going to come up. Um, you can just take a picture of it if you'd like, or the notes will be up this afternoon. You can get them and download them. And that way you can track along. Acts chapter two, verse one. Here we go. You ready? Um, this is the coming of the Holy Spirit or the day of Pentecost. If you're not sure about the context of this, um, Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus has been raised from the dead. He spends 40 days with his followers and says, okay, kids, go back to Jerusalem, y'all hang out a little bit, and, uh, and then the promised spirit is going to come. Chapter 2 is where that happens. When, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen, yeah? Yeah, some of you are like, hey, wait a minute, I'm a little too Baptist for this Pentecostal stuff. Uh, that's okay. Uh, if you grew up like I did in a very, very, very traditional church, uh, you know, it's going to be all right today. I just want you to know, it's in the Bible. What we're going to talk about is in the Bible. It's going to be good. I uh, want to give you three words to just ponder as we walk through this. First one is promise. Promise in Acts uh, verses one and two, Acts two, verse one, and two. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. The spirit came. Just like Jesus said the Spirit was going to do. He said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And guess what? He sent the Holy Spirit. I, the, the promise is fulfilled. And uh, there, there's kind of context here, d- different contexts I want to highlight. One is the immediate context of, of uh, this immediate promise. Back in chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John, uh, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Spirit. The Father is, is ready. The promise, uh, the promised Holy Spirit that is going to come is coming. And it's going to come not many days from now. So stick around and wait. Let's wait. See this happen. So there was a kind of an immediate context. But previously, um, before the cross... In John chapter 14, um, here is what Jesus said. There, there was a, a kind of a, a prior or a previous promise in John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. There's our word helper, comforter, paraclete, the one who walks with and alongside. He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. So dwelling with you now will be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. There's a previous promise. So you got the promise after the resurrection. Y'all stick around. The the spirit is coming. You got the promise before um, the crucifixion. I'm going to ask the father and he's going to send the spirit to you. And then you've got this kind of prophetic promise from centuries before. So we got it just a few days ago and we got it uh, even a few days before that. And then we've got this centuries long promise. In Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 27, um, he says, I will put my spirit within you. This is the part where, if you're familiar with Ezekiel, this is probably a passage that you know. Um, he's going to take out the heart of stone and give you a live beating heart. That's how he talks about it. And I'm going to put my spirit within you. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, he says, and, uh, along with this whole operation, I'm going to write my law on their hearts. How? How's he going to do that? Like just... No. He's going to send the spirit to dwell in us so that we begin to do the things that He, we know that he wants us to do. I'm going to write my law on their hearts. And in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, which actually is quoted uh, a little bit later in Acts chapter 2, um, he says this, in the last days, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour in my spirit and they shall prophesy. Joel chapter 2. So you've got all of this. And I, I put all this together to say, um, what you need to know is that God is a faithful God. There's this immediate context. Hey, hang in there a few more days. Yeah. There's this previous context. I, I'm telling you, I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to send the Spirit. And then there's this centuries-old promise. It's all the same promise, all expressed in different contexts. But he's a faithful God. And just as Jesus is the guarantee of the fulfillment of, God, of God's promises, the Holy Spirit is the actual fulfillment of those promises. He is the fulfillment of those promises. Let me just give you a couple of examples here. Here. Um, does anybody, I mean, just think about your favorite promise in the scripture. Um, I'll, I'll give you a couple of mine here. Does anybody dig this? Anybody, when Jesus says, uh, in the Spirit of God, said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Anybody, anybody down for that? Yes, me too. That means that at no point this week, today, or whatever comes, whatever, at no point am I going to have to face it alone. How, how is God going to be with me in those moments? How is he never leaving me or forsaking me? Because the Holy Spirit is with me. Or you've got this one. Um, uh, this is just beautiful. And so many people at times of uh, sadness and grief turn to this. Even though I walk through the valley, this is Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. You know the next part? Because you are with me. You're with me. The valley's real. The darkness is real. The tough times are real. The path is not easy. It may very well end up in My or somebody that I can in their demise, physical demise, but I don't have to fear that. Why? Because God is with me. How is he with you to overcome that fear? The Holy Spirit is with you. Um, Last week, we talked about Jesus and how um, in in Hebrews chapter two, verse 18, uh, it says he is able uh, because he uh, himself was tempted in that which he suffered. He is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted, tempted and tried. So you face trials this week, Jesus did too, and he's going to help you. He can help you with this. You face temptation this week, Jesus did too, and he can help you with this. How? How can he help you? Because the Holy Spirit is with you. When you cry out, oh, Jesus, I need some help walking through this, getting through this, doing this, whatever it may be. Guess what? The Holy Spirit, he is the fulfillment. Um, of that promise. He is a faithful God. There is no circumstance. There is no time frame. There is no um, interpretation or misinterpretation or misapplication or application that somehow derails his plan. From centuries before, from centuries before, he promised and he fulfilled. From a few days before, he promised and he fulfilled. And in the immediate context, he promised and he fulfilled. Promise. Second word, it's presence. Look at verse 3. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Now, if you are a person who likes to write in your Bible um, like I do, please feel free to take your pen or a marking um, instrument of choice. And you can do like I did. I, I underlined each one of them. And in fact, I double underlined it, each one of them. Each one of them. Why is that important? Because the person of the Holy Spirit comes to every single person in Christ, every one of them. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ and you have received the forgiveness um, that he offers you and you, and, um, and uh, the freedom that he has purchased for you and you know that you are going to spend forever with him, then the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Each, uh, The person of the Spirit comes to each person in Christ. Can I tell you that in terms of Pentecost, I think primarily the way that we think about this is not the way that the Bible talks about it. I'll just show you a picture here. This is from St. Mark's Cathedral in Venice. Beautiful building, incredible architecture. This is in one of the domes. Um, in there. And you can see that there are 12 um, apostles uh, kind of hanging out there. This is, this is, by the way, before, you know, the printing press and all that kind of stuff, they used art to teach. It's not bad. It's good. Um, but this is how they depicted Pentecost. You've got the 12 apostles there and you've got the tongues of fire coming down from the, uh, from the glory of God there in the middle, uh, in in the, in the, in the middle of all that. So you think, oh, good. Pentecost. I got this. The problem is this is not how it happened. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. You should ask yourself the question, who is the each one of them? Is it just the 12 guys sitting around? Hey, Peter, you can to catch the game later? I don't know. And then all of a sudden there's a wind and fire and this kind of thing? I mean, or is it something more than that? Verse 14 of chapter 1. All of these, so all of these folks, uh, the list of the apostles, were with one accord, devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was all in all, about 120. And then he went on to, to uh, help the early church make make decisions. So in the ballpark of 120 folks, and the tongues of fire fell on each one of them. You know why that's important? Because the person of the Spirit comes to each person in Christ. Nobody gets more of the Spirit than the other person. No, nobody gets uh, a, a different version, like you got the you know upgraded version of the Spirit and they're still working on the, the previous version. No. Pa- the pastor doesn't get extra special dosages with vitamins and this kind of thing of the Spirit of The person of the Holy Spirit comes to each person in Christ. The the promised Holy Spirit indwells, transforms, and empowers us. Every single person. According to the text, you've got the 12 guys sitting around. And you've got Mary, the mother of Jesus. And then you've got Mary Magdalene, who in Jesus' ministry had seven demons, and he set her free from that. And now she doesn't have seven evil spirits anymore. She's got one tongue of fire in the Holy Spirit. So all you people with pasts. You got Bob over here. I don't know where Bob showed up, but he's one of the 120. He's just nobody. He just showed up. He's like, I believe in Jesus. I'm following. And all of a sudden there's stuff happening in Bob's life. And everybody, I mean, there was this major event that shook the world. And it happened to each and every one of them. thus, he says uh, in, in chapter 2, verse 17, in the last days, it'll be this. He's saying, uh, the reason why he says this is because they, they go out and start preaching. And they're like, bro, did y'all hit the sauce early this morning or what happened? Like, what's the deal? Peter's like, no, we're not drunk. This is that which Joel prophesied. I'm going to pour out my spirit on my sons and my daughters and they will prophesy. What happens when um, the presence comes, when we put our faith in Jesus, is that we become his temple. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 16, it says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we collectively, like you and me, together in the church, We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he speaks specifically of you. Don't you know that your body, like you specifically, y'all, you, not just y'all, but you, you, are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and therefore you are to glorify God in your body. You individually, you, y'all, collectively. He fulfills this promise to be with us always and he is Emmanuel, God with us. And that is both terrifying and incredibly comforting. Presence, last word, power. Verse four, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this wasn't just an experience. There was something that was happening here. They, um, they had this moment but they begin to speak in other tongues. So there's power. So so let's talk about the power um, of the Holy Spirit. And this is one of those places where if you want to take pictures, it doesn't bother me. Okay. Power. First thing that he does is he secures us. He secures us. How does he do so? He gives us life. Titus chapter three, uh, verses five and six. He saved us not on the basis of works done by us in righteousness, So all you religious people like me, I'm saying all you, all of us religious people, all the people like me, who who jump on the train and try to make sure that God's on my side by the works that I do, you can get off that train. It's just a treadmill. Run all day, get tired, sweaty, nasty, get nowhere. You You don't have to do that. He saved us. Not on the basis of works done by us in righteousness, but because of his great mercy, by the renewal uh, and washing of the Holy, and regenerating of the Holy Spirit, that regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that, that is the big Bible word for it, is regeneration. That there is a power from outside of us that takes over inside of us to bring life, Regeneration. The spirit, if you will, is the, uh, uh, the paddles in the medical facility where they're like, clear, right there. Why? Because you and I can't create life in here on our own. We need a power from outside of us to bring us life. That's the spirit of God. He secures us in that. He gives us life. And secondly, he confirms our standing with God. Um, because one of the things that the enemy does... And this is like one of the first things the enemy does. You put your trust in Jesus and you begin to walk in the ways of Jesus. That in, The enemy gets in your head here and it starts chir- he starts chirping in your ear and it becomes this little earworm that just digs in right there where he goes, hey, look, you know, I'm not sure you did it right. I, I, in fact, I, I'm pretty sure you didn't. Maybe you want to talk to God some more about this. Or, hey, look, uh, <laughs> you, you had three good days. And this is day four, and, I mean, it's like 6.30 in the morning. You've stuck in the ditch twice already. I'm not sure this is taken, man. I don't think it's working. Or, hey, um, I mean, yeah, faith in Jesus is good and all, and forgiveness is fine, but honestly, you haven't changed. Like, you're still dealing with the same addiction that you've always dealt with. I, I don't think God hears your prayers on that anymore. In fact, I'm not even sure that you should be sure that he's your father at all. I don't know if you feel how still it is in the room right now. Some of you've heard that voice maybe this week, and to that, the Holy Spirit, in chapter uh, Romans, chapter eight, verse seventeen. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the enemy climbs in your ear and starts chirping there, right? And the Spirit says, hey, let's just block that out, turn that volume down, because what you need to know is that you are a child of God. He is your father. Jesus does forgive you. He is empowering you. I'm here so that you understand you are his child. That's what you need to know. Have you ever noticed, like, I mean, there's still some kids in the room. It's awesome. None of them run up to me and call me daddy. Like none of your kids do. Do you know why? Because I'm not their dad. They may call me Pastor Trent or Hey You or who, whatever, but like they don't call me dad. They they call me something else. My kids call me dad. And so Paul says this, the spirit that is inside of us cries out, Abba, Father. It's one of the ways that he bears witness with our own spirits that we are God's kids. When that rises up out of us, we're like, Father, man, I've, I've blown it here. Can you send some help? Like bad. The fact that you call him Father is proof. The Spirit's just talking to you. Hey, that's, that's confirmation that you are a child of God. And lastly... He pours out God's love. This is very experiential. Like he secures us. Um, Through giving us life, he's the reason that we have life. And he confirms our standing with God, um, that we are his children. And he pours out God's love. At the end of that glorious passage in Romans chapter 5, we rejoice in our tribulation. Why? Because tribulation brings forth forth perseverance. And perseverance brings forth um, proven character. And proven character brings forth hope. And hope doesn't disappoint. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has shed abroad or poured out God's love for you in your hearts. That's what he says. So what you need to know is that you woke up this morning under a waterfall of God's love. Before you had coffee and were socially acceptable to the world, before you brushed your teeth and were relationally acceptable to those in your house. Took a shower before your feet hit the floor. There's a waterfall being poured out into your hearts of the Spirit of God saying, I love you. And in your best moment today, Whatever your best moment is. If you just cleared out some space a while ago and you're like, Jesus, shout Jesus from the mountain, Jesus in the street, Jesus over the darkness of every... Jesus for my... Family. And you just cleared out some space and you and Jesus just had a moment right there. In that best moment right there, you're standing under the waterfall of God's love. And in your worst moment today, where all you want to do is slink back into something and find something to pull up over your head and just go, oh, you're still under the same waterfall. Shedding abroad his love in your hearts. He's saying to you, I love you. On occasion, this comes through another person. Sometimes it's your own experience. On occasion, though, no, anybody ever had this? You walk into a conversation, didn't know this was going to happen. Had one this week. You walked into a conversation, you're like, huh, God's really doing something here. And you walk away going, thank you, God, that you love me. He pours out God's love. Secondly, um, well, let me just say, so in light of that, you can be open to him without fear. Because the Spirit, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, Paul in 2 Timothy 1. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Fear does the opposite of those things, but power and love and sound mind. You could be open to him without fear. Secondly, he shapes us. He shapes us. Um, the, the, holy, the promised Holy Spirit indwells transforms. That's us shaping us. He shapes us. How does he do that? He convicts us of sin. John 16 verse seven to 11. When the spirit comes, he will convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment. One of those three you will experience this week, maybe all three sin. Uh, you weren't supposed to do that. Oh, you're right. (laughs) And I confess it and I'm sorry. And if I need to make any sort of restitution, I will, but I blew it. And that's, that's on me. And in that moment right there, please hear me, in that moment right there, the Spirit is not coming from the top rope like some WWE wrestler and just ready to pounce on you with a flying elbow and a whatever, whatever, whatever. He is being tender toward you to say, you blew it, confess it, and then let's move forward together. There still is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The Spirit's not going to condemn you. He convicts you of sin. Um, he convicts you of righteousness. John chapter 16. He convicts you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Um, righteousness meaning, hey, I'm on a path here, and I got two ways to go, and this is the better way. <laughs> it just is. This is the way I should go. I, I know I could go this way and probably get away with it, but this, this is the way that I should go. Righteousness or judgment. Uh, he specifically says in John 16, 11, because the ruler of this world is judged. Anybody ever notice like the, the, the world feels like it's on a slipping side, greased up, headed downhill in a hurry? We as Christians know that there's something at the end of that story. Jesus wins. And so we can live differently in light of that. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Our perspective is different. Because we know that the ruler of this world has been judged. My guess is you're going to encounter one of those three this week. Secondly, he shapes us by bringing us freedom. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. Freedom. Because he wants you to walk in the things that he's um, desirous for you. Like he, he wants you to walk in the freedom that he has purchased for you. He doesn't want you to just grit your teeth and try to hang on until heaven comes. He wants you to grow and be uh, uh, become more and more and more like Jesus so that you're ready to live with Jesus when you get there. He wants to equip you. He wants to shave you. He wants to um, make you ready to be with Jesus forever. That's what he's after. And he wants to empower you so that you can live in that freedom. Do not believe that the Christian life is, gosh, I messed up, I'll try to do better. 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 That is a cycle of desperation and religion. The Spirit of God comes along and says, it is for freedom that Jesus has set you free. You don't have to live in those cycles. It takes work to get out of there. Let's not not pretend otherwise. But he offers freedom, and he wants you to walk in that. You don't have to live addicted. You you don't have to be um, overwhelmed and just wave upon wave uh, just tosses you. You don't have to live that way. You can live in freedom. And lastly, he leads us. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, those who are led by the sons of God, excuse me, those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. So you you will come to a place where maybe this week you'll come to a place where you're like, dude, I don't know which way to go. Best thing you can do in that moment is just go, Spirit of God, I don't know which way to go. I trust you to lead me, so lead me. I'm holding on to the promise that you will lead me. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 22, it says there'll be a voice behind you. You know, just get, hey, hey, this is the way. Walk in, walk like this. Go, go this way. If you turn to the right or to the left, he'll be like, pss, pss, pss. No, 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 no. come back. He leads us. You can trust him to do that. He shapes us. Last uh, Well, let me just pause. I, I don't want to run away from this. The reason why it's important that we consistently say to one one another, hey, Jesus is in the process of shaping us by the Holy Spirit. And why we remind ourselves of this is because it may not be today. It may be a week from now or it may be a month from now or a year from now. But at some point, you ought to be able to mark progress and go, oh, I see that God is at work here. I see this is happening. I'll just give you a couple of examples. If the Spirit, um, Caleb's down here, basketball player. Caleb, if the Spirit of Michael Jordan was in you, Look out. Oh. Some of your musicians. Pick your favorite musician. If the spirit of Eric Clapton was in your fingers on the guitar, B.B. King, I don't know which way you want to go with that. Somebody called me after and said, you didn't mention cooking. If the spirit of you know, Emeril Lagasse, bam, was in you, I mean, your kitchen... You and your kitchen would be different, yeah? Whatever it is, just think to yourself. If the spirit of the ultimate person would be in you, then you would be different. It's true. Jesus knows better how to live life than anybody ever. He did it. And if the spirit of Jesus is in you, your life will look different. In John chapter 7, he says... If anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And I'll give him living water. And out of his inmost being will flow this living water like a river. And this he spoke of the spirit, which he was going to give. Folks, if, if, if there's a river inside of you, that will shape you. Expect to be transformed. Last thing. Okay, I got to He sends us. He sends us. How does he do this? The spirit of God unites the church. He brings it together. John chapter 17, may they all be one as you father in me and I am in you. So that they may be one so that the world may know he is sending us. There is, uh, I mean, just there is so much power in Christians not being jerks. And actually doing things together. And yes, it takes some work on our part. Ephesians 4, verse 3 says, um, be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's work. That's work. But he unites the church. Secondly, he gives gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, the Spirit um, gives these manifestations for the common good. So he gives these gifts. I mean, you see one of them here in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Listen, um, people say, maybe you grew up with a tradition or whatever. It's like, yeah, this is all part of that or whatever. Here's the thing. God can give whatever, whatever spiritual gift he wants to in whatever moment and empower that gift for the sake of the kingdom. He can do it because he's God and we're not, we don't have to stress too much. If God wanted all of us to speak in tongues, we would, that'd be okay, but we don't have to. He, He gives gifts. He gives gifts and he can continue to do so. And lastly, well, let me just pause and say those gifts. Those gifts are for the mission. He gives us First Corinthians twelve seven. The Spirit uh, gives these manifestations for the common good, not for show, not for entertainment, not for, oh, look at me, I can do this. <laughs> you cannot. Not none of that. He gives gifts for the common good, for the mission. And lastly, he empowers us for witness. I just point you backwards to chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, he sends us. He puts us on mission. Yes, he secures us in Christ. Yes, he shapes us so that we look like Christ. And then he sends us to testify for Christ. He sends us. He empowers us for that mission. You will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, locally, Judea, uh, broader area, Samaria, the place where nobody wants to go, and even to the ends of the earth. This is what's going to happen. So you think to yourself, well, I mean, okay. Like, I don't think I get all that. In what world does Jesus, excuse me, to what world does Jesus send you as witnesses? To your world to your classroom, to your school, to your friend group, to your um, sports team, to, to, to your job, to your neighborhood. I mean, you're all sent on mission to these places. We, we as a church could not design a better strategy than that right there. You get into conversations and you get into ministry moments that none of us on staff would ever be able to get to or if we collectively strategize to pull it all together, we still wouldn't pull that off. You just get the opportunity to do so. He sends us, he empowers us by sending us into the world. And church family, listen, there is not a shortage. Excuse me, there is a shortage. There is not an overwhelming number of spirit-filled believers who are doing their job. Under the influence of the Spirit of God. We need spirit filled politicians and spirit filled policemen and spirit filled uh, teachers and spirit filled um, laborers and spirit filled um, managers and spirit filled computer programmers. I don't know how all that stuff works out. I really don't. But I know we need it. You're sent. Into the world as witnesses, gifted and empowered to live as his witnesses in those places. Where will he send you this week? What door of ministry will open up this week that you get the chance to step up and walk through? It'll be something. And in that moment, You will have the gift that you need and you will have the power that you need because the Spirit of God, as a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells in you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to put your trust in him. If you are, I want to invite you just to surrender to him and say, God, please abide in me as you um, want to in order to shape me and make uh, make me who you want me to be. Make me like Jesus. So here in a moment, we'll sing another song. I'll be at the back. If I can pray with you about any of that, you want to have a conversation about what it means to follow Jesus, I'd love to have that conversation. And let's pray together now, and then we'll uh, have a song of response. Um, Holy Spirit, I, it seems like we say this every week, and just as much today as any day, I mean it. Please take what's been said, make individual application into hearts, into lives, into um, people's situations, into their circumstances, Um, adjust their expectations. If things are out of square, would you bring them back to square? If things are... um, a little too rigid, would you loosen us up? Whatever it may be. Uh, we sang a while ago, you're welcome here. And we believe that you're a work, so please continue to do what's best for us and what glorifies Jesus. That's what I ask in Christ's name. Everybody said amen and Amen.